a point that Lisa made was that we didn't want to look back at videos and photos or whatever and me not be physically transitioned to where I want to be like I don't want to as as a as I'm sure any trans person listening to this could relate to like there's a lot of photos from growing up that you don't want to look at and you don't want people to see and are triggering and upsetting for you so I don't want any photos with my newborn kids in for me not to want to look at so we decided to wait for that reason as well. This is a conversation I had with Satch, who is an artist and musician based in Brighton. And I met Satch whilst I was creating a podcast series for the Agora Clinic based in East Sussex. It's called the Agora Journals. And I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so you can hear all the fascinating conversations that I had. And Satch and I were talking about the fertility preservation he had before transitioning. And we wanted to share it as part of our early years series here on the Fertility Podcast to make sure that when it comes to fertility preservation, you know that it is an option when you're working out how your future family could look like. Even if you've been thinking that because of your decisions about your gender, becoming a parent might not even be possible. Hopefully this will help you realise there are clinics that can help you. And um, as always, we want to signpost you to get that support that you need. For over six years now, the Fertility Podcast has been sharing content with you, talking about the A to Z of things that might be affecting your fertility. And as we head into our seventh year, things are changing. You see, the podcast is just a portal into a world of more support, which ultimately is what you need more than ever when you're trying to conceive. So who are we? Well, I'm Natalie Silverman. If you've listened to the podcast, you'll know. I used to be on the radio. I'm also a professional voiceover, so I basically talk a lot for a living. And I launched this podcast after successful fertility treatment. And in 2019, I brought in the brilliant Kate Davis. Kate is a fertility nurse consultant. You know what you're talking about and you offer amazing clinical support. I think it's great to give information out to people this way because it's so accessible. We know from talking to our guests that actually they love listening to it in this way because certainly with men they can listen to it and no one else knows that they're listening to information about fertility. Now part of what is changing with the podcast is that Kate and I are offering an amazing support network and so what we want to do is offer you the chance to be a patron of this podcast. So what does all of this mean? You're going to get shout outs on the podcast and your name if you want it or it can be your social media handle will be on the Fertility Podcast website. We're going to be having some awesome monthly get-togethers and we're going to take the time to answer your questions and bring in some fab speakers. And if there's someone you've been really wanting to hear from, you can have a say on who we interview going forward as we'll be running polls for you to vote on. You'll get early access to our episodes a week ahead of their release. Plus, there's going to be other really useful resources too. So what you need to do is get on the case and join us today. It's very simple. Just go to patreon.com forward slash the fertility podcast. The early years from the fertility podcast, where we aim to talk about the stuff you wish you had known before trying to conceive. Now, as you know, the fertility podcast is all about empowering you in the next steps in your fertility journey. And we're always delighted to find people who are on the same mission as we are. So we give a massive welcome to Merck, a new sponsor of the Fertility Podcast. They are a leading science and technology company with a rich history in the area. 
area of fertility. And with this experience, Merck has launched Bloom, a brand new website intending to provide you with information, whether you're looking to start your family or grow it and you need some help on what you're going to do next. So to find out more, just visit MerckBloom.com. My name is Satch and I am a songwriter from Worthing. Tell me a little bit about where you're at with trying to start family. So where we're at now is that I have 12 embryos frozen in the clinic. Uh, so we had successful fertility preservation treatment before I went on testosterone and soon we will start insemination. Did you have any idea about going about the preservation? Were you researching it or did you come to a clinic? So when you're transgender, you, if you're signed, if you're with the NHS, then you're signed up to the GIC, which is the Gender Identity Clinic. Um, and they kind of, they tell you before you go on testosterone what the effects are going to be. And one of them is that you're, you will likely lose fertility. Um, so I got a limited amount of information from them. Um, and to be honest, most kind of transgender health uh, information on the internet, like most things on the internet, is not reliable so then we came to an open day here at the agora and you're in a relationship yes i'm engaged and congratulations thank you when's the when's the wedding uh august 2021 in france all right so hopefully you're gonna have had a baby by then maybe so we've got an upcoming wedding and then we've got upcoming baby <laughs> don't know what order yet what i'd like to do is is start talking about that process of coming in, preserving, yep. freezing, how that was for you, yep. what kind of hurdles you had to overcome. Yeah, so we came to like an open evening and that was, oh, that must have been kind of 18 months ago now. Um, and things have changed a lot since then, I think, improved a lot since then. Like even when we were there initially, there wasn't much stuff that was tailored for trans people um, or trans families like that. It was predominantly for kind of cisgender heteronormative couples with some stuff for gay and lesbian families even down to like the forms that we had to fill out and stuff they were, had wrong pronouns on and stuff like that which can be very triggering and I think that's probably a huge fear for um, a lot of trans people going into situations like this but thinking about hurdles one was that if you freeze eggs then that you have a much lower uh chance of succeeding with a pregnancy getting pregnant um whereas if you freeze embryos your chances massively increase so we needed to think about money for that um and then also just uh the wild femininity of what it is for a man to go through but yeah we've kind of been on this journey with the agora um and kind of muddling through together on the way and they've just tried to help us and we've tried to advise them and now we are where we are. Because I know that from the Agora's point of view, it's a huge part for them to correct their paperwork. Yeah. So being able to have that dialogue must have been quite freeing for you. Oh. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, obviously, in many uh, kind of industries and institutions and whatever, people can be very set in their ways, but they are, they're not just open to that. They're actively trying to improve their services so are seeking us out like and yeah i definitely appreciate that and even stuff that i mean it won't necessarily uh, affect us because we've already had our treatment but hopefully it will help other trans families in the future 
Now, the physical process of you having to come in and have the investigations, I know that was a hard thing for you. Are you happy to talk to me a bit about that? Yeah, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I've definitely been through some difficult things on, on like the, the kind of transition journey. Um, and there were points where I really thought that I just wasn't going to be able to do it. And um, like me and... Lisa, my fiance, we, uh, we've, we've had points where we were just crying because we didn't think we'd be able to do it. But I mean, again, it was just something that we kind of muddled through with the Agora on. Um, and I mean, I was part of the reason why we had to do it when we did was because I was depressed being, being transgender and not transitioning. So I needed to go on testosterone fast for my mental health so I was already struggling at the time and then to go through that on top was really hard but luckily I was in counseling at the time um anyway so I had a, uh, an outlet to talk about it um my fiance is really supportive the staff here were great and I had a lot of diazepam <laughs> but things like that that the, the agora recommended and then my GP would prescribe and stuff it's like yeah that it was kind of like having a team around me to help get me through. Um, but I definitely don't want to do it again, ever. <laughs> That's one of the reasons that we're having this conversation. It's to get that awareness that there are ways, if that physical element of it is one of the hurdles that's preventing you from even considering that this could be an option for you to even try. For sure. Um, everybody's different. Every trans person is different. But a lot of trans men... I for sure will will struggle with um, any kind of being treated like a, a female in any way. Even if even if the staff are using all the right pronouns and they're being so respectful and are doing everything they can do, it's just it's just not right. Like it's it's totally unnerving and it's traumatizing to be honest. Um, so. Yeah, it definitely takes. It's not for the faint-hearted, but there there are way throughs if if you want it enough. Like for me, I just felt like I'd already kind of missed out on enough things, and I didn't want to miss out on having biological children. So that's what I held on to, and that's what got me through it. And you talked about how you got the counselling in place, and you're having conversations with your GP. The conversation about what you needed, drugs-wise, was that received okay? I'm really, yeah, I'm really, really lucky with my GP. Um, my GP's in Worthing as well, which isn't famous for its liberalism. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's really, really good and really supportive. And he actually went out of his way to to try and see if we could get help through the NHS and stuff like that. Um, and he's just done everything he can to help. But yeah, I, I, that it can, that can be another hurdle for sure. Just with you can have anything from a transphobic doctor to uh like my doctor which was great but he still didn't have that much knowledge about it he still had to go and do some research like um but I feel like everything is on the up in that regard and I suppose there could be an opportunity to ask for another GP because it's knowing that there is that end goal that there is the procedures in place yeah you just need to get through the red tape don't you, you don't want one person's lack of understanding to stop you yeah lack of exposure to to these situations i think i definitely wouldn't be deterred in what you want by by anyone is what i would say like if if you've got a doctor that's telling you something is just not 
is not possible for whatever reason, I would 100%, if it's anything to do with trans health, go and get a second opinion and probably even a third and research, 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 because you might, you could likely be told something by a well-meaning doctor that just didn't know any better. And then you've missed out on a, on an irreversible decision. So, And as far as having conversations about families within the trans communities, do you think there's more of them happening? I mean, you're talking about starting a podcast, <laughs> talking about your experiences. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're starting a podcast because lots of the stuff that's already out there, like Channel 4 documentaries and stuff like that, though it's great that trans lives are getting more exposure, they're all very depressing and they're all very serious and we feel like it just makes trans people look like these serious, dramatic people that talk about nothing but surgery and coming out and stuff like that and it's just not the case. So we will be talking about that stuff but in a, in a lot more kind of light-hearted way. But yeah, again, just having having conversations and making these conversations more kind of household, if that makes sense. Normalising them. Normalising them, yeah. Um, and kind of... I'm so bored of educating people, if I'm honest. Like, it's not every trans person's job to educate people that don't know. But um, if by doing a kind of podcast that reaches out to more people could help and, and other mediums as well, then maybe us as trans people won't have to educate every person we meet every time we meet them. So let's come back to the treatment and your plans because you've frozen your embryos. What about the choosing of a sperm donor? How was that? Um, so we went with the the European Sperm Bank, which is recommended by the Agora. And we looked and looked for ages and just, it was just something we had to work out together as a couple, really, of what we wanted and um, not rush it and stuff like that. And yeah, we we kept looking, kept looking. And then we came here for an appointment uh, to plan more of our treatment and stuff. And we went... Uh, for lunch afterwards just to try and like process everything um and we were looking and this one came up and it kind of ticked all our boxes we call it the on switch um <laughs> uh and yeah this on switch ticked all our boxes and it it primarily was healthy um and then after that kind of I don't know how much of this is relevant because it you know nature and nurture and all that but personality wise was creative and all, all this sort of stuff and then looks wise whatever you want to have and we were umming and ahhing whether to pay for it because it's like two grand or something like that so it's a huge decision um and just as we were thinking about it someone walked in the pub with a newborn baby and we were like it's a sign and we just we just went for it um and yeah once it's done I haven't really thought about it since then if I'm honest it's just it is what it is like so have you both frozen your eggs or is it just you yeah, so I, like I said, because I, I was I was struggling with depression and I needed to go on testosterone, so we we had to rush and do that. We had to preserve my treatment um, and we didn't have a lot of money and we begged, borrowed and stole to do it. But yeah, we went forward and went through that whole procedure that I talked about earlier and then we ended up with 12 embryos, um, which are mine, technically. Um and we call, we say, we call, because they're all in a freezer, we call the boys Cornetto and the girls Vionetta and any in between twisters. Um, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so we, that was just done, draw a line under it. Then when we want to proceed with starting a family, we can either um, access those embryos, implant one in my fiance, um, 
or we can we bought enough donor sperm that our children will be biologically related so by having the same sperm donor so we can just inseminate using lisa's egg just like natural insemination um so yeah we we have either or options and we'll do one first and then the other after that's exciting very and scary <laughs> and scary but you've got you've got options you've got a multitude of embryos in your frozen ice cream store <laughs> yeah yeah so we talked before about cost and i know it's something that carol here at the agora has been lobbying her ccg to get funding for this treatment and she just found out that, that, that there has been some success how does that make you feel amazing that's amazing news yeah i think how it worked before was that you in certain areas of the uk you could get funding um and not in others and when i looked into it it seemed to me that all the areas where there might be transgender people could not get the funding and then like really rural areas where kind of lgbt people are less likely to be you could get the funding um so yeah that wasn't really a great supportive system for trans people but we won't get into the politics of that um but yeah carol seems to have um managed to have a bit of a breakthrough in i think i think it's in west sussex um which means that yeah trans people should be able to get some help on the nhs which is amazing um i know that the equality commission actually took the nhs to court as well because they were saying that it is against human rights to force someone to choose between living their life their happy life as who they are um in their identity and um choosing between that and starting a family um, so I think between that and Carol and various other people, hopefully there's a bit of a turning point now. When it comes to thinking of starting a family, when you've had to deal with all the emotional side of what comes with transitioning and you talked about your mental health and all that you needed to do. Yeah. How does it feel now with the steps that you've taken and what you've done? Well, we didn't, we didn't want to um, implant the embryo straight away because we knew that we financially weren't in the right place, mentally not in the right place we were exhausted from it all um and we just wanted to wait until we were in a better better position uh to be able to start um and we're a, i think we're a year on now from when i did that um and i have finished counseling and i'm no longer depressed or on antidepressants and um focusing on my songwriting career which is going really well uh, and Lisa's career is going really well and we just worked really hard to get to a place where we would be ready to start a family but also a point that Lisa made was that we didn't want to look back at videos and photos or whatever and me not be physically transitioned to where I want to be like I don't want to as as a as I'm sure any trans person listening to this could relate to like there's a lot of photos from growing up that you don't want to look at and you don't want people to see um and are triggering and upsetting for you um so i don't want any photos with my newborn kids in for me not to want to look at so we decided to wait for that reason as well and then there's the whole storytelling aspect of what you tell your child what support you've got and how you go about it how do you feel about that uh so we've got a plan we're gonna make a little children's book i think um uh, my sister's a, a writer so we're probably going to work with her and just make this little book um, about the kid's story, about how it came into existence and how it was more wanted than a lot of kids are, I guess. Like, um, 
Yeah. So just, I think honesty is the best policy. Um, but just talking to the kid on his, her or their level. What about the conversations with family, with your parents about them becoming grandparents in this modern way? Um, I, I mean, my family knew that I was having the, the treatment and stuff as did, as did Lisa's family. Um, and we're on very good terms with all of them. Um, we actually had, as part of the treatment, you go for a, a counselling session to discuss all these sort of things. And we actually had it last week, so this is fresh. <laughs> but um, we went in and we got asked those same questions. And there's definitely a part of us that both both of us just wanted to sort of be like, um, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it, uh, go away, it's none of your business <laughs> in a lot of regards. Um, but... Generally, I, I think with most things in trans life, life generally, like it's better to just be who you are and be open and honest and not carry big secrets around. Um, yeah, so I think generally that is how we'll be. But um, every now and then you get a kind of random in the pub coming up to you and asking questions that they definitely have no right to ask. And that's for every... Um, every trans person to handle how they see fit, I guess. I suppose as well now, the fact that you've made it possible for your parents to become grandparents, it must be quite a relief because I imagine growing up, maybe it was something that you were worried about. I think it's a very like intrinsic, natural feeling to want to continue your lineage, I guess. Like it is in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of trans people that have families that they're, they're not they they haven't biologically had any part in and they are just as happy if not happier than a lot of others um i can only speak on behalf of myself and that is it's it's just something that i i just like i said earlier i just felt like i kind of missed out on enough and I, that is not something i wanted to miss out on um but we i will have children that aren't biologically mine as well and won't treat them any different so um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know you said early on that you're fed up of having to educate, but if we've helped one person feel less alone by sharing your story, then, you know, we've we've achieved what we've set out to do. Knowing what you know and having done what you've done with regards to the fertility preservation and waiting the time to process it all, if you're going to impart one bit of wisdom to someone listening, what would you say? Um, Man, uh, I think what I said earlier about don't just accept a first opinion like you I mean any any trans person I'm sure knows how to fight for things they've had to to get to where they are also you're gonna get really unintelligent people asking you really unintelligent questions and being very inappropriate so I guess prepare yourself for that know what you're gonna say so that when they catch you off guard you don't just not say anything and then wish you did after um I mean um, you've caught me at a bad time in terms of educating people because I've come into contact with quite a few of those uh, people that I just mentioned this week. So I'm I'm a little bit uh, about that at the moment. But I think it's every every kind of LGBT person's job to not job job's not the right word, but everyone kind of should try and make things better for people in the future. 
as did the people that were before us that have made it to this point now where I can sit in a fertility clinic and actually have this treatment. So I suppose a part of it as well is we talked about the physical difficulties of the procedures that, you know, you've had to overcome. And if someone's listening, thinking there's just no way I could go through that and you've described what you had to do to go through it. Is there anything else you'd like to share about that? I mean, did it get to a point that it was now or never? You just had to come and have the treatment 100% was now or never because like I said I, I had I had to do what I had to do so I could get on testosterone as quick as possible um and now I'm def I'm the happiest I've ever been like I've just turned 30 and I feel like I'm at the start of of adulthood um it's hard for me to look back and 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 give that much great advice because at, at the time I mean, I think anyone knows, like, you go through traumatic stuff, you kind of get that, I call it, like, cognitive. It's like cognitive fog. Um, so I don't remember a lot of it that clearly. And that with, like, a lot of diazepam, um, yeah, it, it is a bit hazy for me. I think that the, the biggest obstacles coming into this and, and for people in my position would be um, would be the kind of intrusive procedures um the, the kind of feminine treatment um down from everything like from the procedures down to like the forms and stuff like that um and yeah the money side of it i guess i mean a lot of trans people have already had to spend a lot of money on surgeries and and whatever else because the the nhs is so underfunded and under-resourced and we're under-supported in that way um for me, it was just something that I just knew I had to do. Um, and I guess I just made it happen. Like, I, I guess not everyone will be as fortunate as to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, in terms of advice, I think be prepared with what you're going to say to people. Take any help you can, be that legal drugs um, <laughs> and support and stuff like that. And and just, if I guess some people will be doing this on their own. They won't be in couples. So... Get some good pals around you, I guess, and get them to come with you because I wouldn't have been able to do it without Lisa. There's, there's no way. Before I let you go, do you want to give your podcast a bit of a plug? I, I want you to give me tips and advice on how to do a good one. But yeah, it's called Satch and Leo's Transmission. It will have stuff like this on it, but I mean, we're just a couple of jokers, really. We just want to have a laugh and just put it out there and try and help if we can. But what's your best advice for me other than record for a podcast? Just be yourself. Just be Well, there we go. That's what we're talking about now, so... People want to hear you. That's what it's all about. Great. Okay. Right. Well, I'll make sure I put the details in the show notes for this. Keep my tabs on you. It sounds like it's going to be the positive side of things. Life wants happy. And you can find my music at satchstatchel.com. We really hope you enjoyed the show. All the info of our guests will be below this episode in whichever podcast app you are listening in. And remember, if you do one new thing today to help you get even more support on your fertility journey, why not become a patron of this podcast? Just visit patreon.com forward slash the fertility podcast. 